0: You know, for me, first and foremost, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Like, that's who I am. Playing football is what I do. That, that's, that's kind of, you know, it keeps me in the right mind frame. It keeps everything in perspective. And honestly, you know, from a performance aspect, it takes a lot of pressure off.
1: Good evening, good morning, everyone. Whenever you are listening to this Run the Race podcast, episode number 77. Uh, Thank you so much. Hope you're having a great day and a great week. And uh, are you ready uh, to uh, get excited about some football, right? Uh, if you are a fan, uh, college football season um, and also NFL starting up in just a few weeks. Uh, you know, uh, despite uh, COVID, uh, we, are, we are moving ahead with fans and everything else. And hopefully it'll stay that way. And uh, But the arena football season, uh, at least around here in Georgia and Alabama, actually just ended. Uh, our Columbus Lions, Columbus, Georgia, unfortunately lost in the championship game. Uh, a really a high scoring one. They lost seventy nine to sixty two to the Albany Empire. That happened in, that game happening up in New York. And our guest for this week is the quarterback of that team and the MVP of that Arena Football League, Mason Espinosa. So uh, excited about uh, talking to him today. And later in this podcast, we have the uh, stuck in my head segment, which uh, you'll hear me do a little bit of a uh, rap. Uh, if you if you want to stick around for that uh, as kind of a pump up song for for football games and things like that, uh, so uh, I'm sure Mason would do a better job singing than, than I would. Um, but uh, we talked to him from Ohio because he's the new offensive coordinator of a high school football team up there. Um, you know he talks about how faith in Jesus is you know more important to him in his life than being a football player. That's where his identity lies in Christ, not just uh, as on the football field. Just to give you a little bit of background on. Uh, Mason Espinosa he is one of the best division three football players of all time in fact he owns 17 records um, offensive records for Ohio Wesleyan University uh, started all four forty 40 games at quarterback for them and uh, now you know fast forward to you know 10 years later he's the MVP of the NAL Uh, with the Columbus Lions in 2021. Unfortunately, uh, he has lost a couple of championship games with the Lions, but they're going to get one uh, sooner or later. I promise you that. Um, And he was named the OhioCollegeFootball.com first team All-Ohio quarterback in 2012. Now, after college, he had a brief stint with the Pittsburgh Steelers, And uh, so uh, he did not make the team, but, uh, man, was close to being there with with Ben Roethlisberger and the gang. And uh, then he joined the Columbus Lions in the American Indoor Football League in 2016. Uh, Then it became the NAL. He, for the last, uh, you know, seven years or so, he has been a uh, wide receivers and quarterback coach for several different universities. Now he's in his first year, just a couple days onto the job, as the high school football offensive coordinator for Worcester – high school in ohio and that's where we talked to mason about uh, all kinds of things including you know how losing can really help you be a better person and athlete all right folks are you ready for some football we have a uh, award-winning arena quarterback mason espinosa with us now joining us live via zoom right now from Ohio, where he is in his first job as a high school football offensive coordinator. Thanks so much, Mason, for joining us.
0: Man, I really appreciate you. Uh, really appreciate you having me, you guys, uh, giving it a listen. I know it was uh, working through some through some logistical issues, you know, first Columbus then up here in Ohio, but happy to be here.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of things, how you got into football and now coaching and kind of, uh, you know, how faith uh, in God has played a role in your life. Uh, but first, I uh, wanted to talk about something that I know is kind of a sore subject. It's still kind of an open wound. The Columbus Lions uh, just recently uh, losing, uh, actually the highest scoring NAL championship game ever, seventy nine to sixty two versus the Empire. And uh, you you were the MVP of the league, but I guess that um, you know you'd rather win the championship versus versus that. So, what was that like being there in the championship game and, and falling just a few touchdowns short?
0: Yeah, I mean it was a. Uh you know, obviously a heartbreaker, not the way we wanted it to go. We believe we had the team and and the talent and the kind of the brotherhood to, to kind of pull that, you know, and bring that home for Columbus. Didn't work out. I mean, it was just a good arena football game. I mean, honestly, there was, there was some crazy stuff. There was high scoring, uh, you know, onside kicks, you know, last second touchdowns before the half stuff like that. Uh, we felt like we were in pretty good position going into halftime. We, we manipulated the clock the way we wanted to, uh, Scored with, I think, seven seconds left, which is perfect in arena football. Got the ball first coming out of half, scored there. So, you know, we played it how we wanted to. Uh, They got to stop in the red zone, and that's, you know, in arena football, sometimes that's enough. Uh, So, you know, just just one of those games.
1: And I know this is your uh, second stint with the Columbus Lions, um, you know, the NAL started back in 2016 and then, uh, you guys were in the, the championship game, the inaugural one in 2017 versus Jacksonville and, you know, the lions falling short runner ups three of the last four seasons. So what is it about, you know, you and the team, uh, in terms of bouncing back and battling through and keeping to fight despite, you know, falling short several years?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, it's a tough question. I, I think it's a tribute to the organization and the coach Gibson and, the players have stayed there throughout to, I mean, to make it to three, you know, championship games out of four years in a professional football league is no joke. And then the fourth year they even made the playoffs. So, I mean, that that's, that's a, that's a feat in itself. Obviously you wish you had one of those uh, titles for sure, but you know, I I just think it speaks to the character and the uh, you know, the the organization of of how tough minded, how hard nosed they are to realize that, uh, you know, no matter at the end of the day, doesn't matter the year, doesn't matter the opponents, doesn't matter the teams. We're going to be right there at the end battling for a championship.
1: And I know it's, you know, it's all about wins and losses, and that's what you kind of play for and work so hard for year after year. But, you know, for the folks that are listening to this podcast, a lot of people have been, you know, knocked down in life. It doesn't have to be sports, just life in general, and kind of getting back up again. And, and so what can you, you know, say to the folks that are listening about, you know, what does losing teach you? I mean, even though you you want to come out, and you want to be hold the trophy up at the end of the season, but you know, losing in 2017 like you did, and then again just a few days ago, what what does that teach you, or what what does that help you learn as as a person and as a quarterback?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously the championship game was was a little bit tougher, but I think losing in general, I, I think you know I've heard it before, losing is the, you know kind of the great teacher, it shows you your weaknesses, shows you your flaws. Shows you where you can improve. Uh, I think for me, it's it's you know shows a lot of uh, kind of forces humility upon you because in the sense you're either going to go one of two ways. You're either going to take it as ego hit. And you're going to kind of fold up shop and and go home and and never try to attain that success again, or uh, you're going to take a step back. You're going to have a little humble pie and realize, okay, well, where did we go wrong? What was the weakness? What was you know my part in this? How could I improve? How could I have been better? You know, uh, and, and I think that's really, you know, in football, and but also in life too, you know, there's, there's always times where, uh, you know, if something doesn't go your way. You don't get the job you want, you know, or, or, you know, you have to move out of your house, whatever it is, uh, you know, kind of take a step back. It's like, okay, well, what's my role in this? What's my ownership in this? How can I improve? And the next time this comes about, you know, how can I change it and make it better?
1: And uh, before we get into getting to know you a little bit better, um, I did text with Coach Jason Gibson, who I've known for many years, and I said, so do you have any questions or inside information you want to ask Mason? So his, his simple question to you is, what is your favorite play?
0: My favorite <laughs> Oh, my favorite play. My favorite play now the past three weeks have become Iowa. So <laughs> without without getting too into the weeds here with arena football. So uh, there, there's a play in arena football that's kind of – you know, not controversial, but you either run it or you don't. It's, it's a pretty high-level read. Basically, uh, you know, somebody on your team gets up, you know, basically to 18 or 20 yards, and then the receiver gets to choose if they want to go to the, to the inside or to the outside. And then as quarterbacks, you know, you have to wait a little bit longer and hang in the pocket and make that throw. Well, in Columbus, ever since I've been here, we have not done that. We've always called every route so the quarterback can know exactly where the receiver's going. Well – you know, it kind of goes back to the losing thing, you know, against Albany. Uh, the second time we played them, uh, we felt they, they sat on our short stuff and we couldn't really push the ball vertically down the field like we wanted. Uh, so we, we, in the middle of the season, we changed our offense and kind of went in this more down the field directional path. This, uh, the play is called Iowa. That's why I said Iowa. And uh, it's incredible that we changed our offense literally midway through the season while we were ranked second in every statistical or first in every statistical category. And it made us better, and so now that's honestly become my favorite play because it's always fun throwing touchdowns. And on that one, you get to throw the deep guy, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you you know you're you're in Ohio now, yeah. and you're I think you're a native of there, so maybe you could you come up with a play, name it Ohio or something like that. There we go.
0: I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm in on that. Maybe some outside, right? Some outside with the Ohio. I, got, I got my coaching hat on. So,
1: <laughs> well,
0: um, you know, I work in TV, so
1: we use tripods. So, I want to kind of ask you a quick tripod of questions to kind of get to know you a little bit for those who don't know Mason Espinosa, and we talk about fitness and faith on this podcast. So, the first thing is, and so you're, you know, you're a quarterback by day and also coach now. So, uh, what do you do on a daily basis to stay physically fit? Is there you have a routine each week, but perhaps?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I guess it depends on the kind of the point in the year we're at right now. We're, uh, especially right after the season, you know, for a couple of weeks, I'll kind of be in a recovery phase, you know, just eating good foods, you know, hydrating, doing the whole thing. And, uh, it's kind of letting my body rest, my body heal, uh, especially my arm thrown, thrown a lot of passes over the last, you know, two, three months. Uh, once we get out of that point, we'll get into kind of the training phase where, you know, we're lifting, you know, depending on the week, four to five days a week, Uh, you know, that usually goes about, depending on the day, an hour, 15 to two hours. And then there's usually a, a throwing component at, you know, throwing footballs to receivers the nets at some point, usually depending on the day that they usually two to three times a week for about an hour, uh, usually just to kind of keep that arm in shape, make sure it's firing all cylinders when, when camp time comes around. Uh, and then during the season, that kind of training, it, the kind of the out of season training tapers off. And now you're more in a, you know, in a maintain phase, you know, where you're, you know, you're working out two to three days a week, depending on, uh, you know, in the weight room, depending on, you know, what's going on in the week and where your body's at, where it feels, you know, a lot more stretching, a lot more recovery, a lot more seeing the trainer. And then obviously you have practice every day that kind of keeps you in your, your cardio shape and your mental shape. So really depends on the time of the year, but, uh, you know, very very specific stuff for sure.
1: Now, do you enjoy, enjoy running the
0: cardio part of it? Because sometimes athletes like
1: running is kind of punishment during a lot of team sports.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest, <laughs> you, everybody out there listening. I hate running. I <laughs> hate it. It's not in my genes. My parents hate running. My sister we we don't we we're for whatever reason Espinoza claim we're not runners. Uh, I run when I, I run when I have to, to get in shape. I try to find other ways to do cardio, whether that's, you know, on a row machine or swimming or whatever it is. I think, uh, you know, I saw an interview one time with Aaron Rodgers where he's, he's very similar is that, you know, he, he finds alternative cardio methods and that really kind of opened my eyes. When it's like, okay, I don't just have to run. Like, let me get some cardio shape in. Uh, I love to compete. So if there's any type of scenario where I can just like go compete and get cardio at the same time, uh, Like, off the top of my mind, I love racquetball. Like, I'll play racquetball with anybody, anytime, anywhere. Like, and that, you know, that gets you going a little bit. You're sweating, you're breathing hard. So, if I can go get a racquetball, a couple games of racquetball in instead of, you know, running for a distance, I'll do that 100 times out of 100. You probably are in the majority when it comes to that, for sure. Um, And, you
1: know, uh, sports is such a mental game as well. Um, So do you, you know, have any kind of an inspirational or spiritual mantra motto that you that you particularly live by?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's like, a a, you know, so much as a a mantra or a motto or whatever, more than just, you know, kind of, you know, a thought process. Is that like, especially in our culture and and especially, you know, the sport I play in football, like people want to identify and and you're identified a lot of the times as a football player, as a quarterback and that's who you are. And, and in my, in my head, I constantly have to check myself in. It's like, that's not who I am. Like, you know, for me, first and foremost, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Like that's who I am. Playing football is what I do. That that's, that's kind of, you know, it keeps me in the right mind frame. It keeps everything in perspective. And honestly, you know, from a performance aspect, it takes a lot of pressure off of you. You know, you know, you, you really kind of lose that fear of failure, that grip of failure, you know, kind of kind of loses its sting because, you know, at the end of the day, that's not who you are. It's, it's what you do. And now you can you can have love and you can have passion for what you do, but it's not who I am, you know.
1: Yeah, your identity is not wrapped up in, in football, even though you're called quarterback, you know.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And the last
1: of the tripod is, uh, what is something unique
0: about Mason Espinosa? Something maybe people don't know? Oh, man. Oh, I am a, oh, man, I'm not exactly a, an incredibly unique individual. I did a couple of years ago get my scuba certification. Shout out to Josh Blair, Chattahoochee Scuba. So I'm a certified scuba diver. Oh, man. Now, now, uh, I'm also deathly afraid of sharks. You want <laughs> I don't really know how that balances out, but uh, sharks and snakes are my two things, but sharks for sure. So I don't really know how that's going to balance out with the scuba thing, but, but we'll figure it out.
1: So you haven't found any treasure at the bottom of the Chattahoochee River yet? Or, or, uh, well, if I did,
0: I definitely wouldn't be telling anybody. So I guess I'll leave that <laughs> a mystery.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, get into a little bit of the uh, the football and life uh, stuff. And, you know, first of all, I mean, these are some amazing stats. Hopefully I get these right. So this year, this season, you threw for 2,230 yards, 56 touchdowns, and just two interceptions. That is astounding numbers. Hopefully, I got those right. But I mean, just, you know, for you, I mean, like you said, you're just throwing and throwing and throwing because that's what arena is all about kind of entertaining the folks. And, uh, you know, thank goodness for fans being back. So, um, what's that? I mean, what's it like for you winning the MVP? Is that validation that, like, listen, I've put in a lot of work and I've got some great teammates around me?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, a, a couple of things. First and foremost, like, I see it as a team award. Like, nobody, in the history of, you know, professional sports that's won an MVP award without being on a good team, there, there's no doubt about that. I, you know, there wasn't one touchdown, one complete pass, one anything where I snapped the ball to myself, I blocked for myself, I threw it, I caught it, I scored, walked off the field, kicked the extra point, and then ran down on kick. Like, that just – that doesn't happen. So, you know, while it is, a, you know, a, I guess technically an individual accolade, I really do see it as a team award, like from from everybody – you know, from players to coaches, to staff, to you know, training staff, to ticket sales. Everyone has ownership in that. Everyone has a piece in that 100%. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be there without any of them, quite honestly. So, you know, that that was something that, that I held dear to my heart that I could share with them that made me feel good. Secondly, I think it's validation for my support staff, like, from my family. Like, you know, my my family, my mom, my dad, sister, brother, like my step, you know, parents, my grandparents – You know, my, you know, especially this year, my girlfriend, like everyone has sacrificed so much for me to be able to, you know, even play high school football, even play college football, you know, play professionally. Just there's so much work and sacrifice that's gone into it over over the years that uh, I'm very appreciative to them. And uh, I feel like it's something that I feel like I can share with them that's special.
1: And uh, you know what? You know, I'm sure you're you're grateful and appreciative to be able to actually have a, a an arena football league season, an NAL season this year, um, and with the fans and everything else. Because after the year, they got canceled because of COVID. So, what is that? You know, is are, were you just so excited to get back on the field and have people cheering for you again?
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that was. I mean, let's you know, no joke. 2020 was a hard year for a lot of people, myself included. I mean you know, I, am you know, upset because I lost the football season, you know, or, or whatever, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like there's, there's people out there that lost a lot more than I did. I mean, they, they're not even close, you know, lost loved ones, lost, you know, their jobs, lost whatever. Like, so I, I just felt appreciative to have the opportunity to, to go out, to play, to play in front of fans, maybe to bring them in the building and give them, you know, something to cheer for for three hours or, from on the road, something to boo at for three hours and, you know, just get their mind off, you know, the craziness of the world right now. And, and, you know, selfishly, I'm, you know, very appreciative of, of being able to do something I'm passionate about and have people care about it and do stuff like this. It's, it was a, it was a fun season. It was a special season for sure.
1: Yeah. And speaking of that passion, kind of going back in time a little bit, you know, uh, when did you start playing football? I mean, were you, you know, kind of back when you were, you know, very, very young Mason or, you know, when wh- where did your love for the pigskin come come alive?
0: Yeah. So it really came alive from birth. Uh, so my dad, <laughs> my dad uh, loves football. My dad was a college football player. Uh, oddly enough, he was a linebacker, never played quarterback a day in his life. Uh, he was a linebacker at Tennessee Tech University, uh, in Cookville, Tennessee, which is my hometown. So uh, him and my mom had me had me in college, and uh, my first year playing football, man, I mean, we're talking young. I mean, I'm I'm talking probably my guess would be six to seven years old. Wow. Uh, I know I, I do know the story that so in my hometown there was uh, like the Pee Wee the youth football league had a certain age range, obviously, right? If you were too young, you couldn't play. Well, the next town over, about 15 minutes away, had a different age range that you could start a year younger. So my parents would literally pick me up and take me to the next town over that whole year early, just so I could play football as early as possible. So I've always, I've always just been a football guy. Like even before I can remember, it's like, you know, just in my head, I've always, you know, loved the game and just been a football player and specifically been a quarterback. And I don't really know where it came from. It just kind of, just kind of was.
1: Yeah, and, and I know, you know, when you're young and playing football, you have dreams of playing college football, which you had the opportunity to do, and dreams also of playing in the NFL. So you kind of had – you kind of sniffed it. Uh, you were with the Pittsburgh Steelers very briefly. So any chances you could still replace Ben Roethlisberger or
0: uh... – <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? Always got to shoot your shot. Kevin Colbert, the GM, if you're listening to a podcast right now, <laughs> man, arms in shape, feeling great. no. <laughs> No, I, like I understand, like, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, everybody's goal, you know, in college football, if they want to play professionally, is to play in the NFL. 100%. I feel very fortunate to, to even have gotten the opportunity that I did. Uh, obviously, wish it would have turned out different. Uh, wish I would have stuck, you know, made the team the whole thing. But, you know, my journey in my life is, you know, taking a taking a path that I truly love. I truly enjoy what I do right now. Uh, now, that's not to say if, you know, the Steelers dial me up tomorrow and say, hey, you want to come toss a couple of passes? I'm there. But, you know, you know I, I'm realistic. I understand, you know, I've been playing arena football for, you know, God, six, seven years now. Uh, not a ton of 29-year-old rookies in the NFL, especially quarterbacks, quarterback. So I understand the kind of the long shot of it. But that doesn't mean you don't, you don't try and you stay ready and you just never know.
1: Yeah. So what was that opportunity like? I mean, you were in minicamp and you, I mean, were cut early on or late –
0: yeah yeah so so uh, it was yeah it was during mini camp it was it was kind of a crazy story so uh, draft it was it was a weird year I don't know if you're, you guys remember that year but it was the year they moved the draft back normally it's like late April this was the year it was on like Mother's Day weekend for whatever reason uh, well that was the same day as my college graduation so you know I'm talking to my agent and he's like hey you know as far as being a draft pick you know from a small school, Probably not realistic, you know. Probably, you know, someone just took a flyer on you in like the seventh round, maybe. But probably more realistically, a, you know, a, a, a you know, an undrafted free agent is probably the, the path you're going to go. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm in my graduation ceremony, and I have to ask the people, like, hey, to sit me on the end. I gotta, I gotta have my phone in case somebody calls me. I like, I gotta be ready. Uh, I go the entire day, nothing, no call. My agents talking to me say, like, hey, man, don't don't panic. It's okay. We're going to re, you know, reassess and go back. And so I'm like, man, this, you know, whatever, this kind of, you know, this sucks, you know? So I am spending my last night with my friends in college hanging out, like, you know, really down in the dumps. Cause I just, you know, put all this effort into training and I put everything into it, hoping I get a shot and uh, you know, just kind of upset. And then the next morning I'm sleeping in and what do you know, my phone calls from uh, my agent wakes me up. I'm like, Hey, what's going on? He's like, Hey, uh, the Steelers are about to call you. They want to bring you in. I'm like, hold on, what? And then as soon as he says that, a number, number, uh, a number beeps in uh, from a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh telephone number. And I answered, and they're like, yeah, man, come on, get on the road. You know, we need you. So I was there. Uh, yeah, I wasn't there too long. I mean, I was, I was released fairly early. They were pretty stocked up. That was the year they had, uh, they had Roethlisberger, they had Grykowski. and they had just drafted Landry Jones the year before. So, uh, really, I wasn't I, – they weren't going to, you know, cut Landry Jones for the UFA. You know, they just committed a bunch of capital to him, so I understood that. But I was playing for – I was playing for film, and they, they were very upfront about that. It's like, look, you know, we're probably not going to keep you around, but that doesn't mean you're not going to play and, you know, have a great, you know, off-season camp, have some film, you know, and go play for another team. You know, and that was their communication at the end of it. It was like, hey, man, look, you, you represent yourself really well you know, you have the talent that you can play. Like we're not, we're not willing right now to invest the, the capital in a small school quarterback right now. Cause you haven't played the competition. Uh, so what you need to do is you need to go, you know, play in the CFL. You need to play in the arena football league. And you need to do something like that to kind of show us that you can consistently be successful against, you know, division one, higher level competition. And, uh, and you know, and then we'll call you back. So that's how I got in arena football initially. And, and, uh, Fortunately, haven't haven't gotten that call back yet, but yeah, that's okay. I'm, I'm happy that it turned out.
1: And you weren't just your average in college football player. You statistically ranked as probably one of the best uh, D3 players of all time. You have 17 records individually from Ohio Wesleyan University, and you were the you know, career leader in passing for the conference. So, I mean, you, you had the stats to kind of back up the fact that like, Hey, I deserve a shot at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was very fortunate to go to, to go to a place I loved, uh, you know, i kind of started from my first game on, you know, as a freshman, I know I realized it's a very rare opportunity. I actually went to a small school because uh, I wanted to play baseball too. I was a baseball player. Uh, So that was the school that was giving me the opportunity to play football and baseball. So, you know, that's kind of why I did it. Uh, After I won the job as a freshman, they didn't let me play baseball anymore, but, you know, very happy how it turned out. I I was very fortunate and yeah, it opened some doors and, you know, get in front of the right eyeballs. They see those stats, they go, Hey, we'll, we'll take a chance on this kid. And you just got to make the most of your opportunities. Yeah. And you were talking earlier about how your identity
1: is in Christ and being a Christian, not just about being a football player or coach. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, we were talking, you know, off mic about how the fact that sometimes, you know, even though you have that foundation, you fall short like we all do uh, because none of us are perfect. So for you, you know um, how, you know, using your platform as this, you know m v p and football player you know how does that correlate to Tim, in terms of you talking about your faith and to f c a or whoever else
0: yeah i mean i i think the biggest thing it's it's given me is a is a platform for whatever reason right or wrong, and however you feel about you know athletes having a platform you know in this country you know we do uh you know people love sports people love football people you know want to listen to you know people talk about sports or want to listen to people that they watch on the field. You know, I don't, I don't take that lightly. I understand, you know, anytime I'm in an arena or I'm in town wearing a Columbus line shirt, or, you know, I understand I represent something, you know, greater than myself. So I think that's, that's really been the biggest thing as far as the athletics is, is giving me a platform to kind of, you know, share my faith, you know, verbally, you know, whether that's speaking at schools or talking to a group of kids or talking to, you know, the St. Luke's middle school football team while I'm working out, you know, what, like, whether it's that or quite honestly, just, you know, living life and, and, you know, letting people see you as, you know, hopefully somewhat of a, you know, kind of a living testimony. It's like, Hey, there's something, there's something different about that guy. You know, there's, there's just something different and I can't put my finger on him. And as they get to know you, they kind of understand where your life and, you know, where your, where your base comes from. And I think that's, that's really where the athletics piece comes in is that just gives you that platform. And has for you,
1: you know, you're um, you're almost thirty years old. Do you, you know, has your faith um, matured, changed? Um, you know, you've had kind of, uh, you know, peaks and valleys in terms of your life, and like you said, like there's winning and losing in football as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, quite honestly, I think with the profession yeah. that I've chosen, you know, playing arena football, especially like okay, it's not the NFL, you know. You sign a, you know, Patrick Mahomes just signed a like a ten-year deal in Kansas City or whatever. Like Kansas City's that guy's home. I got like, well, in our profession, that's not the case. You know, even though Columbus is my home and I played there for so many years, also played in Montana, played in Pennsylvania, I've played in New York. You know, so I, I, you know, what I think is what I've had to do over the years, and what's really pushed me is that uh, I've really had to kind of not chase, but really had to go out of my way to make sure that I was grounded in my faith, no matter where I was at, you know, every part of the country is different. You know, if you pick up and, you know, move in 36 hours to Billings, Montana, like, like I did a few years ago, like you're not going there. You don't know anyone. You don't have a home church. You don't have that stuff, you know? So you really have to find ways to like, you know, stay connected, you know, whether that's through your Bible app, whether that's through, you know, streaming a, you know, a church service that you like, you know, whether that's finding, you know, <clears throat> find a teammate that's been to a church there locally before, whether, you know, something like that, whether it's just, you know, you know, picking up a new book and reading it, whether it's just reading your Bible, whatever it is, I think I had to do a lot of learning and maturity in that aspect in that, you know, I grew up in Middle Tennessee, you know, it's the Bible Belt. You know, if you could go find a, a church on every corner and people want to talk to you, you know, have Bible studies every other day. You know, that's not necessarily the case everywhere, especially when you're new. So I think that was really the maturity that I really had to really had to learn. I'm I'm glad I did.
1: I grew up not far from you in the uh, Western North Carolina mountains, right next to Tennessee. And uh, I actually, I grew up in church, but I really learned the Lord's Prayer uh, from my basketball coach because we would say it like before every practice, before every game, that kind of thing. So you just never know sports and faith how they intersect. And so so you're telling me that in arena football, you don't make the same money as Patrick Mahomes. It's not like – not close at all or uh... –
0: <laughs> No, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily comparable. Uh, he, he, you know what? I, I'm going to be going treasure diving on my scuba license. So I, I bet he's not yeah. having to do that. So there you go. <laughs>
1: exactly. And uh, so where you're at right now, you're talking about how you you have a platform to really impact people's lives, especially kids, maybe that look up to you. And, and you've got high schoolers now. You've got your very uh, first job as an offensive coordinator at a Worcester a High School uh, there in
0: Ohio. Uh, where in Ohio is that? It's actually Worcester, Ohio. It's about okay. 50, it's about an hour south of Cleveland.
1: Okay. So, you know, what, what's that been like? I mean, like you're brand new on the job and you got your first game coming up on Friday night. So I mean, what, what kind of opportunity is this for you? Because you've been, you've worked, you know, at uh, Denison and at different colleges as, as a coach and like for for wide receivers and for quarterbacks. So what's this like being an offensive coordinator and these kids that are like, you know, 15, 17 years old.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely different. Uh, you know, like you said, my, my, all my experience coaching, I spent two years at, at Defiance College in Toledo and then spent the last five or six, I can't remember the, the number at Denison University. Uh, it's, it's different so far in the sense that, you know, the, the kids are still, uh, you know, becoming grown men. You yeah. Know? That's what I've noticed so far. And that's awesome. I mean, and talk about, you know, you always talk about wanting to impact, you know, impact others and, you know, uplift others, what a, what a better age to, you know, be able to uplift a kid or, or talk to them or just, you know, create a positive role model. I mean, you know, you get the college kids, some of them are 23, 24 years old. I mean, they're, you know, they're grown men they're, you know, they're adults. They have, you know, real adult problems and do the whole thing. Like the, these kids, you know, in, in high school, you just, you can impact them so much, you know, and and it puts a lot of pressure on you to, you know, you feel like you have to, you know kind of straighten up your spine and, and do the right thing. You never know who's watching, but it's a good thing for all of us. Good thing for me, it's you know, hopefully, a good thing for them. And you know, coming in, we have our first game on Friday, and I just got here yesterday. It's my second day on the job, so I'm really excited. I couldn't be more excited. I'm excited to, to make it happen.
1: So, for these kids, you know, these are teenagers who uh, maybe they knew you before, or they didn't, but I mean, they, they see that now this is we've got this arena football. MVP quarterback coming in teaching us offense and and maybe you're helping the quarterback as well. So, yeah. so what's that like for them? Because you have this built in kind of resume that maybe demands some respect,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've been awesome so far, you know, you got to talk to a few of them yesterday, just, yeah, you know, the, the general questions, Hey, what's it like, you know, how do you like it? What's the real football, all that stuff. But, you know, I've, I've been fortunate where, you know, I think that that level of respect, you know, or kind of kind of precedes you a little bit because of the success that some of these arena coaches have had in the NFL recently, you know, Matt Lafleur's an NFL guy, Matt Nagy's an NFL guy, Jake Gruden's an NFL guy like you, there's a lot more arena football guys uh, out there right now. And that's kind of, for whatever reason, been the hot trend for like the last five years. And uh, it's been able to, you know, kind of, kind of carry me and, you know, make people's ears perk up on my resume a little bit, and so I'll, I'll take it for for what it's worth. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what job you get. If you don't show up and do a great job, they don't they don't want you back. So that's that's what I focus on: just impacting people, creating value, and and making people go, "Man, I really want that guy around."
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know how high school football really kind of rallies the community together, uh, you know, where you're at, but especially down here in you know, Georgia and Alabama, uh, high school and college football really seem to rule um, around here for sure. So what what is it for, like, you know, you this is your second stint in Columbus, Georgia with the Lions. Um, what's it like being kind of entrenched and being a part of the community? Because we've got, you know, a new baseball team. Now we've got Coach Jason Gibson starting a you know, new soccer team. And so all this, this sports, but like the Columbus Lions have kind of, stuck for a little bit. So what's that like being a part of the community and, and, and uh, you know, uh, lo-
0: I guess loving this area, hopefully. Yeah, oh, I absolutely love it. That's, and that's why I tell people all the time. It's that like, I'm so lucky as, as an arena football player to have found what I feel like's a home. That's so rare in, in our profession because, you know, they're just, people are just hired guns. They're mercenaries. They go city to city and kind of play. Like, I really don't feel that. Like, I feel like Columbus, Georgia is, you know, my home. I love the area The people are unbelievable, like so much support, you know, for the Columbus lines and really minor league sports in general between the river dragons, the Chattahoo's, you know, all, all, you know, the, the old cotton mouths, like the level of support we get is really what makes the area special and people care. And that, that's what you want to do. You want to play somewhere that cares about all the effort and the time you put in and, you know, that are there to cheer with you and your losses or, or cheer with you in your victories and, you know, pick you up in your losses. I I mean, I can't tell you how many calls or texts that I have gotten from people over the last, you know, 72 hours after the game. And, you know, it means all the world just to have that support system in a place that you feel like is, is really your home to know that they have your back at the end of the day. It's a, it's a special place. It really is.
1: Now you know with arena football, like you said, it's kind of sometimes you move every year, every six months or every couple of years. So, uh, you know, do you know your future yet in terms of, you know, staying with the Columbus Lions or what's next for, for Mason?
0: I, I don't yet, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, quite honestly, like, I, I was enjoying 2021, the, the arena football season so much. I mean, that, you know, I've told you know a couple people, that might have been the most fun that I've had playing professional football, maybe football in general. I mean, the guys that we had, the team that we had, the camaraderie that we had, like, man, I was just so excited to get into work every day and just talk to the guys and be around them. So I was so focused on just being present in the moment at the time. And then as soon as we lose, like I'm on a plane and I'm driving up to Ohio. Honestly, really haven't had a chance to really even digest the 2021 arena season. I'm about to start a 2021, you know, outdoor football season. So uh, I'm going to coach. I'm going to coach this season. I'm going to coach as hard as I can, give it all I can. And then once we're done, I'll sit down and kind of evaluate my options and and kind of feel it out and hopefully uh, you know pray about it and hopefully you know is supposed to happen happens.
1: Because I know, like you know, um, you like you said, you're kind of just digesting this loss. You know, seventy nine to sixty two, so lot, so many points scored in twenty seventeen. I think I've I've heard you say before in previous interviews about how it was just it was heartbreaking then as well in terms of, you know, you're losing sleep and because you, there's such a buildup. And then like you have all this offseason to kind of remember that loss.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's definitely tough to lose, to lose in the championship game. There, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you think about it constantly. It's like, man, what if I would have just done this? What if I would have just done this? You know, you know, every, everyone does that. You know, I think uh, I'm a little more, you know, mature and farther along in my career to appreciate the road and appreciate how hard it was to get there in general, and appreciate the the positive things and, and you know takes take the positives away from it because uh, it's it's hard to get there. I mean, you know, there's every other team in the league is is at home right now. going, man! I wish I had that experience, uh, but obviously want to win one <laughs> at the yeah. end of the day. <laughs> want to win one for sure. So uh, who knows, maybe that's the driving force and strapping her up again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Motivation to, to get some revenge and, and, uh, and win it. Um, and not all quarterbacks can play as long as like, say a Tom Brady, uh, you know, into their forties. And so for you, I know you kind of look maybe five, 10 years down the road, is coaching something that you are really passionate about and you see yourself, you know, that kind of being, you know, a decade, two decades from now being your real future in this sport.
0: Yeah. As you know, as of right now, I I would like to think, I'm very passionate about it. I love it. Uh, I actually have my, this isn't my first foray into being an offensive coordinator. I was fortunate at the, at Denison university at the college level to be, uh, you know, a play caller and a coordinator, uh, for their spring season when they had the spring season for COVID. So, uh, that was, man, I really fell in love with that. I loved being a coordinator. I loved play calling, uh, I was telling my, my dad one night, like, this it's the closest thing possible to playing quarterback, like that feeling. Uh, so, you know, as of right now, of course, things change. Uh, but, you know, as, as of right now, if I was designing, you know, the Mason Espinosa life plan, perfect system, I would I would love to coach as long as I possibly could. Uh, but we all know how we all know how life plans work, especially in the past couple of years.
1: <laughs> exactly, you got to plan for uh, you know craziness. Yeah. Um, and so, are you more nervous or stressed out on the sidelines, maybe as a, a play caller, or being on the field as a quarterback and, and maybe calling
0: plays as well? Oh man, that, that's a tough question. Uh, honestly, it's crazy. I think I'm the most nervous playing. But not playing. I'm most nervous when the defense is on the field. Like, I feel so bad for my teammates when, like, offense is off the field and defense is on. I feel so bad for my teammates standing around me because I'm just constantly talking. Like, watch the tight end. Watch the fullback. Oh, they're doing this. They're doing that. It's like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, I didn't watch any of their film. Like, I'm not giving them any solid input. Like, I'm just talking because I'm anxious. Like, at least when I'm playing quarterback, like, I at least have some level of control in it, you right. know. Like if I don't make the right read or throw a bad pass, it's on me, you know, you know, I I can live with that. Same thing with coaching. Like at the end of the day, it's about your players. Like the greatest coaches in the world are the best recruiters. Like It's a lot of fun to coach really good football players. So at the end of the day, you know, you put your players in positions to win and they're either going to win their one-on-one matchups or they're not. So there's really not a ton to stress about anxiety wise, as long as you put the, put the work in during the week and make sure you're, you're good and sound. But, Man, when the defense is on the field and I have no control over it, I am a I am a hot mess. It's a problem. It's a problem.
1: <laughs> and with your future of coaching, you've had some great learned some great things, maybe under Coach Jason Gibson because he is really a master recruiter. He's he's all about getting in the good players. Good players, keep them coming. You know.
0: Yeah, that's 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 the joke. Uh, I hope uh, I hope I hope Coach Gibson doesn't watch this, but I always joke all the time that he. He is like – he has this streak of, like, used car salesman when he's recruiting, and it's incredible. He has the ability to turn anything into a positive when he's recruiting to be on his team. It is the coolest thing ever. Like, I sit there and listen to him, like, call players or try to get him in or whatever. It's like, you know what? This dude is no wonder he's had so much success. Like, he gets the best players. Like, it's, 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 it's funny. It's great to watch him talk.
1: Yeah, and, and like you, for him, you know, faith is a really important part of his life. So I know that's something that, you know, uh, football and sports can kind of merge with with that faith as well. It can be, you know, like you said, that that uh, that platform or at least that opportunity to talk about it,
0: you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, like I, I know for him, you know, coaching for him and, you know, I, I won't share his business too much, but he's – that dude has turned down a lot of uh, opportunities that would be perceived as – you know, moving on in your career, moving forward, you know, at, at, you know, higher levels of professional football, you know, I mean, I a hundred percent believe that dude could coach on Sundays if he wanted to, he just really wants to connect with as many people as he possibly can. And, and he, he really believes that. And he loves the Columbus, Georgia area. And he wants to really make a difference in that area. And uh, it's impressive. And it's admirable to, you don't see many people in coaching anymore that really do it for the right reasons that do it for maybe not the right It's the wrong term, but do it to really, truly impact people, and make their lives better. He's one of them. And I, and I think it really, I think that really kind of exudes from them.
1: Yeah. Well, it's great to see you're doing some good work there in Ohio. Well, uh, as folks listen to this and they, you know, love watching you with the Columbus Lions, they're now maybe going to be new fans of the uh, uh, Worcester. What's the, what's the mascot there?
0: We're the generals go Jens.
1: The, the Worcester Generals there in Ohio. And uh, we really hope to have you back for the Columbus Lions for uh, uh, 2022 and uh, hopefully uh, another shot at a championship. But uh, wish you all the best, Mason, and uh, good luck at your uh, new job.
0: Man, really appreciate it. Really appreciate your time. It was a lot of fun. All
1: right, thanks, Mason. And once again, thank you so much to uh, Mason Espinosa for talking to us. And uh, you know, even though he talks about how the MVP is as a team award, and he's focused on you know being a, a great man that he is, but uh, but those those stats are eye popping. You know, for uh, even for arena football uh, this season with the Columbus Georgia Lions, uh, fifty six touchdowns and only two interceptions. Uh, uh, maybe you know something like that would would give him a, a chance in the NFL one day. Um, you know, 29-, 30 year old uh, rookie quarterback. You. Know, Never know, right? You never know. Now on to our final segments of the podcast, including uh, something that'll get you pumped up for sports, football, anything else. <laughs> All right, so you know one of my favorite uh, workout or running songs. Is uh, you know it's got some, a little bit of explicit lyrics, but it's it's "Lose Yourself" by Eminem, and that was uh, on, on one article I found named as one of the top ten best football pregame pump-up songs of all time. You know, getting hyped and pumped up, and it's it's a, a classic hit, but kind of a modern one as well by famous rapper Eminem. I'm going to give you a little uh, taste of it uh, if you uh, listen to me rap a little bit. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Bomb spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs, but he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud. He opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking. Everyone's joking. Now the clock runs out. Time's up over now. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes Gravity. Alright, so that was my poor excuse for uh, rapping. Uh, now you know why I don't do that for a living and I talk uh, to the TV for uh, on a teleprompter. So, Lose Yourself is a, is a great song. Um, it's uh, Maybe you don't like rap music, but it's about seizing your opportunity and how crucial victory is and, and you know, in, in the music video it's from the 8 Mile movie. Eminem is hyping himself in front of the bathroom uh, mirror getting ready for a rap battle. So It's got that simple beat, so uh, check it out when you get a need to get pumped up a little bit. Lose Yourself for our uh, our segment of stuck in my head. Maybe that one get stuck for you. And now for our final final segment of the podcast. This is the parting gift. Uh, this is from a famous quarterback, Tim Tebow, um, who uh, just uh, lost his stint his latest stint for the Jacksonville Jaguars has tied in. He has some motivational Bible verses uh, that he recommends. Uh, this one, uh, Jeremiah 26, 14. Again, Jeremiah 26, 14. It says, ask for me, I am in your hands. Do with me whatever you think is good and right. And he says in that, in the game situation for him, is this think of that like as his fourth and goal with seven seconds left. So he's saying, I am in your hands, God. Do with me whatever you think is good or whatever you think is right that's it's a good way to live our lives because you know sometimes we just get out of control and and you know we try to do it ourselves and so we say you know god you've got to move forward yourself but god you know you've got me in your hands and you you know help me to do what's good help me to do what's right and closing your prayer dear god uh, just just with with that thought in mind and your word uh, says that uh, we need to look to you for everything that we need and, and lord god help us uh, in our failings, uh, every single day, every single week, we fall short um, as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and friends and coworkers. Just help us, Lord God, to to do uh, Your will and to be kind and to show compassion and to, God, just really uh, do what You want us to do in life and more. You name me, pray, Amen again thank you so much for joining us for uh, Run the Race tell your friends about it use hashtag Run the Race when you talk about this podcast and uh, looking forward to having some more conversations about faith and fitness in the future with folks like Mason Espinosa um, some great athletes some pastors all kinds of folks that have really extraordinary stories looking forward to that and you can listen to any of the previous episodes all the all the rest of the folks I've talked to is really you know some great people over the last couple years go to WTVM.com slash podcast and it's on Spotify Apple all those places you can find run the race and I hope you have a great time uh, running the race yourself